0: Hello and welcome to Screen Cleaning, the show here on BYU Radio that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson and each and every week we do our darndest to only bring you the very best news. We could talk about the gossip, all the depressing stuff that happens in Hollywood, but there are so many other outlets for that, so why not just focus on the good? And with me here today is my special guest, Rod Gustafson. Rod, welcome back to the show. Thank you, as always, for uh, for your wonderful insights and your international uh, perspective as well. Sorry, <laughs> well, I don't mean to you. give you a yes. hard time from being the, the, from Canada. N-
1: yeah, the, the north of Montana <laughs> perspective. I appreciate
0: that. <laughs> well, Rod, we've got something really fun to talk about today. But before I give away what that is... We've got quite a bit of news to talk about. I've been on vacation. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and there's a specific reason I want to bring that up. But there have Just also been... Just make me
1: feel bad oh, because yeah, I that, was not
0: on vacation. Yeah, to yeah. make everybody jealous. That's the whole point, right? But really, <laughs> we want to start out by talking about some of the award ceremonies that have been occurring lately. Gearing up for the big the big event of the Academy Awards, Right. So we've been we've talked a little bit about the Academy Awards, we did a show on the Alternative Oscars since this year's kind of a a down and depressing year for movies, right? Mm-hmm. So we shared in a previous episode movies from past Academy Award winners or movies from from past years that we prefer over maybe some of the picks for this year. But also we we ought to tell you about some of the award ceremonies that have already happened and some of those winners. We also did an episode about the Annie Awards, which celebrates yep. animation. And it looks like our prediction was correct, and Soul won for best animated feature.
1: Not too surprised about that, <laughs> although also happy about that too. Oh that was yeah, a great yeah. Movie
0: best indie feature was Wolf Walkers. My
1: daughter loves that film. I, I, it really is a very cool movie. I must admit, it's, I've
0: been hearing good things, yeah, and I, yeah. I'm trying to squeeze that into the conversation with my family as much as possible, so that they'll want to watch it on yep. our family movie night. Yep. Uh, and then best – this one confused me a little bit. Best character animation live action. So mm-hmm. it's The Mandalorian. Really? The TV really? show The Mandalorian because I thought that was strictly okay. a live action. Okay, and
1: Baby Yoda or Grogu or whatever his name is, he's a puppet, so that's not the animation.
0: Mostly practical effects, Yeah, right? it is. They yeah. sprinkle some some digital effects in there, yeah. I'm sure. By the way, mm. if you want to if you want to settle that debate on what to call him in my heart, he will always be Baby Yoda. Yeah, Baby Yoda. <laughs> that's my go-to too. I heard Grogu and I at yeah. first I thought they said yogurt, what? what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Not for me. Well, that's Gogurt or yeah, I don't know what Go-Gurt. the brand name is that I'm butchering, but yes. There were also the Independent Spirit Awards, and this is an award ceremony that celebrates movies that were made for around twenty million or less, mm-hmm. right? Which is most of the movies yes. that are nominated for an Academy Award this yes. year, right? Yep. It seems Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Anyway. Best female lead: Carrie Mulligan for "Promising Young Woman." Mm-hmm. Best male lead: Riz Ahmed, "Sound of Metal." Um, those two, I'm just going to predict, are not going to win the Oscar. However. I predict that the Best Director winner, Chloe Zhao, and Best Cinematography for Nomadland are both likely to win. I
1: think there is a very good chance or um, Nomadland will take Best Picture. Perhaps somebody else will get Best Director, although I think it'll be the other way around. I think Chloe will take Best Director, but I'm not 100% sure Nomadland will take the Best Picture, but... It's okay. my pick of the movie. It's it's my movie pick this year, for sure. Amazing movie.
0: So, Rod, I know you are excited about some of these guest hosts that are going to be appearing on Jeopardy!
1: Yeah, there are some really interesting ones come, uh, coming up. David Faber, Robin Roberts. But the one that really caught me, close to a quarter million people, got on Change.org and said, We want LeVar Burton. <laughs> really? And I thought... And the moment I heard that, I thought, I could really see that being LeVar's retirement job, if you will – I don't know if he's ready to retire yet or not. How old is LeVar Burton? Gosh, should have looked that up. I don't know. But um, I really, as soon as I heard that, it just felt like, yeah, I can see that. And my kids who are now, they're in their 30s. I remember them just absolutely loving reading Rainbow. And, of course, Star Trek Next Generation, where I think that's really where we all met LeVar. But reading Rainbow just... I just remember thinking, what a great guy to tell my kids stories, and he's just—he's very intellectual, and and just really seems to be the type of guy to host Jeopardy. I'm oh, excited. Yeah. So his I can see it, and I guess his week is going to come up. I think it's second week of July or something when his episodes of Jeopardy will air.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting news. There's also lots, plenty of exciting news in the streaming world. HBO Max continues to just set all sorts of records.
1: 44.2 million subscribers now in the United States alone. That that is incredible.
0: What do you think that is? I don't know what Netflix is at. Do you think there are still some stragglers that are signing up because of Game of Thrones? Or do you think this this gamble that... Warner Brothers is taking this yeah, year and that doing is, the simultaneous yes. release of movies in theaters and on HBO Max. Do you think it's more of that?
1: I really, really think that that is what is driving this, truly. Well,
0: we know so. that... Uh, Kong versus Godzilla, or is it the other way around? It has <laughs> done well not only yep. in the theaters but also on HBO Max. Has been their most popular film. Yeah. Yeah. We've got uh, we've got Mortal Kombat that's that's out today, mm-hmm. which by the way we're not going to review partly because no. we didn't see it, but also because. You know, they're bragging about how almost they, they almost got yep. an X rating because yeah. it's so violent. Yeah, right? the
1: headline in Variety says that, whoopee, now the movie is just as violent, if not more so, than the video game. And of course, when the old Mortal Kombat movie came out back in what was that, in the 90s or whatever? I can't remember when that movie came out. Probably oh yeah, than, yeah. It, it was had a long time ago. an amazing
0: soundtrack. that yeah, sold yeah. a lot of albums, exactly,
1: yeah. and so and it was very much sanitized. Although even the video game back then, technology, you couldn't do what you can do today for good and bad. But, but even anyway. back
0: then, people, parents yeah. were they were in concerned an about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But now it's a whole new situation. But
0: we should stop talking about it because yeah. everybody knows the more you talk about something and the more you tell the more people not to go see it, you do, the more yes. they want to see it, right? Yeah. That's right. (laughs) There's another movie that's coming out on Netflix real soon that I remember seeing a trailer for a long time ago. And I think it's just one in a string of many movies where, you know, it's getting repurposed or sold off to a streaming service. It was originally going to be in a, a, you know, in the movie theaters. But it was known as Connected. And it looked Mm -hmm. like this really funny, cleverly animated movie about this family where – The dad is having a hard time letting go of his daughter who's going off to college, so much so that he says, we're canceling your plane trip and we're taking a road trip as a family. (laughs) And it looked really, really funny. And then it also happens to be – there happens to be the subplot involving – these robots that kind of go awry, and they have to save the world from these robots. So, kind of like how the Incredibles movie is a family movie first, and then a superhero movie. This is a family movie first. That's also, you know, a uh, a cautionary tale against you know robots and yep. virtual reality and yeah. AI and all that. Yeah. So, um, watch that vacuum cleaner that yeah, you're right. leaving
1: alone in your home. If your dog disappears, don't phone us. This reminds me we of an old you.
0: Twilight Zone episode, <laughs> which we could have a whole other conversation about. But it's, I noticed that it's no longer called Connected and it's no longer going to movie theaters, but it's now going to be out on Netflix and it's now called The Mitchells versus The Machines. Hmm. And I guess that makes sense because yep. Connected is kind of a. You know, a head scratcher of a title, but yeah. the Mitchells versus the Machines, it's very, yeah. very clear that this is, you know, a family that is up against the Machines. Yeah. Right? So
1: interesting how the Machines are starting to take more of a negative view. Like, I remember back in the days of the Jetsons, the Machines were. Something we were all looking forward to, and now we're getting afraid. So yeah, that is afraid. right,
0: and that is why this episode is not uh, is not being recorded digitally. We're actually using tin cans and a <laughs> string right now. Somebody will change it in post production, yes. but yeah. <laughs> no, so Rod, I teased a little bit about a trip I took, and I was able to score some free tickets to a park in Orlando because I wanted to see what it would be like to go to a theme park during COVID, right? Mm. And I was lucky enough to be able to go to parks in Orlando, whereas, you know, parks in Southern California, Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Universal Studios, Legoland, they've remained closed throughout this entire pandemic where Orlando has just figured out ways to adapt and, and pivot. And finally, at the end of this month, I know at least Disneyland will be opening up here in just a few days, actually, but to a very limited group of people, 15 percent capacity, I think. And you have to be a Southern California resident. So clearly that I was not going to be able to go to Disneyland, but I was able to go to Universal Studios in Orlando as well as Legoland. And I've got to say, I was I was blown away by some of the measures that they took. And how easy they made it seem. I I just, I kept thinking, oh my goodness, why isn't everybody doing this? You know, everywhere you go, you have things, uh, you know, from employees standing at a certain point of the line giving you hand sanitizer. Right. So I've never never sanitized my hands as much as I did (laughs) on vacation. And you have partitions in between, you know, if you're getting on the cart, you have partitions between your row and the next row genius super easy you can pack more people in that way right, right? you have other things where they uh, will have you check in for a virtual line so you, it's kind of like winning the lottery you have to uh, check in at okay. a certain time right. to get a to get the privilege of just right. being able to stand in that line so
1: like a little like fast pass on your
0: phone right. a bit and you know we were certainly understandably frustrated when you know we didn't win that little lottery if right. you will but we were over the moon when we did mm-hmm. but what that does is it makes it so that the lines can never get too big mm-hmm. another really smart yeah. idea yeah. they they have you leave your uh, your stuff in these lockers which i don't think was a covid measure but still really innovative yeah. and cool um and again i so i that was at universal studios in orlando we also went to Legoland. So just going back to that for sure. a minute, the part when you said that they had these
1: dividers – now I have not been to Universal Studios in Orlando, but they have theme park rides there, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they've modified the actual rides. So you're like, do they have roller coasters and that type of thing? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. So, and they've got plexiglass dividers. Wow. And this is the part That's that is a little frustrating, you know, you because
0: you're even though it may not seem it seems like it's really crowded there, mm-hmm. but it's really not because the lines are three or four times yeah. longer because you're you're uh socially distancing yourself from the party in front of you mm-hmm. and and behind you right mm-hmm. and so it's just it's not that there are three or four as many right. times or three or four times as many people there at the park. Right. It's taking that much longer yeah. because of the distance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like going so, to the
1: grocery store and you've got six feet in front of the yeah. person next to you.
0: And again, that can be frustrating if you're waiting long, a long time in line. We never waited for more than an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was kind of an outlier there. But even though it can be a little frustrating in that regard, it's, it's very innovative because – not not particularly innovative, but it's so smart what they're doing with the lines because they clearly have tape every six feet on either side so that you are not getting too close right. to the people in front of you right. or, and behind you. And I have to say I was very impressed with the other people there at the park because for the most part, with uh, very few exceptions – People really honored those markers, yeah, and they didn't move up until the next marker was available for them. So I was it. It restored my faith in humanity, Mm -hmm. uh, um, and also, I as I told you, I had the opportunity to go to Legoland. Similar measures there. You've got to wear your face masks. Although Legoland, since it was in a different county, had different guidelines. Uh So we actually didn't have to wear our face masks. Uh, when we were just out and about walking around but if we were getting onto a ride if we we're going into like a food court area that's when we had to have our face masks on hmm. um, but just the 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 amount of hand sanitizer available and the fact that <laughs> their drinking fountains were open i was a fan of and i don't know about you but anytime i'm touching something that is being touched by other people i'll you know I'll use a sleeve or yeah. the back of my hand or I have or been I'll, my doing elbow. that for years. Oh, really? And my
1: friends used to laugh at me because, okay, I'm 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 an only child. I'm a little germophobic. always have been. So I've been doing that for years. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I was there before it was trendy. So there you
0: go. <laughs> yeah. So these parks just have implemented some things that I'm thinking – man why haven't they been doing this yeah. in Southern California for the yeah. last year yeah. now i don 't know i don 't know what's been going on in Orlando or in Florida as far as the number of covid cases or you know what their governor is doing that maybe the Governor of California is not doing yeah. but yeah I, maybe they just need to take a field trip the- those those people those parks in Southern California head over to those other parks and just see how they're doing it. Because it's genius.
1: Yeah, the California parks don't have as much real estate to work with. I mean, when you look at the size of Disneyland in Anaheim, that is a small little area, especially compared to what you're dealing with in the Florida parks. And so I think that that might be part of it. But one of the things that you just said a couple of minutes ago... I'm tempted to just see if I can try and figure out how to get a Southern California address so I can go to Disneyland at 15% capacity. <laughs> Wouldn't that be
0: great? Now, that, speaking of winning the lottery, wow. apparently those tickets are extremely hard to come by. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But really, it it made me hopeful that things will be normalized sooner rather than later. And it also let me see that, you know what? There are some things that that probably will and maybe ought to stay in place even when we're when we have more people vaccinated. Oh Yes. You know, other things I really do hope go by the wayside. Yeah. But I I don't mind putting some hand hand sanitizer on my hands during a line. In fact, I think that's a great idea if you're. And I was I, I have to say, I was very conscious of how many ropes and stanchions and bars I was touching. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, just grateful that I didn't even have to think about it because they were so on top of it and, and making that choice for me.
1: And you remember recently, just prior to COVID, the measles outbreak that was tracked back to, I think it was Disneyland in Anaheim. So I really do think that we are coming into, we're coming into a whole new world to quote a little Disney tune there, <laughs> of hand sanitization. And yeah, these are probably good things. I remember one time I was in Disneyland and we were being herded literally toward the the electric light parade and whatnot. And we were packed in this crowd of people so mm-hmm. closely. And being a prairie boy, I started mooing because I felt <laughs> like cattle and Eventually, this is my proudest moment. I had the whole crowd moving along with me. We we're going just like the cows do as you're herding them along. So, I and I thought, gosh, it's almost claustrophobic. You are literally shoulder to shoulder, back to front to people all around you. So, yeah, yep.
0: well, thankfully. For quite a while now, at least here where we live, we've been able to continue going to the movies. They still have some COVID measures set in place where you need to wear a mask. There are certain seats that aren't going to be available. And so keep that in mind. But, Rod, I had the first sign that things are improving. Mm-hmm. To me, this, this this might not mean very much to you. But all throughout COVID, I have not been able to put the level of butter On my popcorn that I've wanted because (laughs) they've closed off their butter dispensers. And so I've had to tell them, yeah, I want I want butter in the middle and on the top of the popcorn. Right. Have Mm -hmm. you ever done that? Yeah. So I was ecstatic when I went and got my second covid shot the other day, which happened to be at a movie theater. And I thought, oh, I, I can't. I can't leave here without taking. You home got some popcorn. your
1: second COVID shot at a movie theater. Yes, I did. Oh, I and didn't know they were one. doing that at movie so theaters. So I okay.
0: left with a bucket of popcorn, and I noticed that there was no sign over the butter dispenser. And I said, "Hey, is your I, that your butter dispenser is probably closed, right?" And they said, "No, it's open. We just opened it on Monday." And it <laughs> was like choirs above singing the Hallelujah chorus, and uh, I just went and I threw caution to the wind. And then I think I realized that I think I've been away from that world for so long that I may yeah. have put way too much butter on well, my popcorn. Well,
1: I, I hate to <laughs> throw your caution, your excitement to the wind. Jeff, that's not butter in that thing.
0: Oh, it doesn't matter. It's butter flavored. I know that. I know that. I know that stuff when I go to nasty. certain fast food restaurants, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. Well, we are super excited today to talk about movies, as we always do here on the show. And today, we're going to do something that might seem a little sentimental, and uh, that's okay. We we get a little sentimental from time to time. We've talked about on the show, Cole and I, one of our very first episodes was formative films. Films that really shaped our movie tastes and preferences And Rod and I today are going to talk about movies that aren't necessarily our favorites. They aren't necessarily movies that have shaped or molded our movie-going preferences. However, for us individually, these are movies that will stand the test of time. And we will get to that right when we return here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio. Today on the show, Rod and I are going to try our hand at... We're going to try our darndest to limit all of these movies that we've seen to a short list of five movies that we feel, for us, individually, will stand the test of time. Now, let me explain a little bit more what I mean by that. I don't mean these are our all-time favorite movies. I don't mean that... uh, these are movies that we watch every day, but maybe these are movies that we're going to pass on to the next generation. Or maybe they are movies that we re- we revisit from time to time. I've gotten into a little bit of trouble occasionally in my household, Rod, for trying to pass on movies that have been important to me over the years that maybe my young children <laughs> aren't quite ready, ready or for. prepared mm-hmm. for, Right. Um, we have shown them Jurassic Park. I will tell you that. <laughs> and uh, the part that scared my now seven year old, it's actually her birthday today, is the part where the lawyer gets uh, removed from his He's from bathroom the throne. Stone. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, again, I, I know that for some of these movies, I may need to be a little more patient. But, Rod, I'm really curious to hear your perspective. We're kind of at two different places in our lives I'm going to start out with one that Cole might roll his eyes about because this is a movie that I've mentioned often on the show. But if I'm honest with myself and if I watch this movie, I I just I know this is a movie that is I think it encapsulates everything I love about watching movies, going to the movies and it would have to be The Princess Bride mm-hmm. starring, <laughs> oh, gosh, a whole cat. Where do I begin? Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright and Billy Crystal and Carol Kane and Christopher Guest and, uh, and uh, what, gosh, why am I? I want to say Anigo Montoya, but Mandy Patinkin and Peter Falk and Fred Savage. Anyway, this film really, I love the way that it's described in the setup when – The grandson is about to read this book to—or the grandfather is about to read the book to his grandson, and the grandson's saying, well, what's it about? And the grandfather just says, it's got everything—sword, fencing, fighting, true love, revenge, miracles. And uh, Fred Savage, of course, replies, it sounds okay. I'll try to stay awake, Right. And it really has all of those things and more. It gives you all the feels, all the emotions that you want to experience going to the movies, watching the movies. And not only that, it's it's kind of an appropriate family film. It, we may have shown it a little too soon to my daughters. But uh, it it just has that feeling at the end of the movie you want to throw your fist up into the air and just say, yes, out loud. It's that good, Rod. And this movie came out in the 80s. People still revere it today, and I think they'll be watching it forever. I really
1: do. I can't honestly share your excitement for it. My kids absolutely love it. I've never quite <laughs> ca- caught what is so magical about this movie, but you're I in have the minority. Absolutely, I am, and you're absolutely right. It really is a movie that
0: has stood the test of time. It has. And just and just to clarify too, these are movies that are personal to us. The, for us, personally, they will stand the test of time.
1: Yeah, but not necessarily our favorite movies. And, and I, you know, Jeff, I can already tell already that age is separating us. <laughs> Most of mine are quite old, and I'm digging more into some of the classics that have really stood the test of time and have changed a lot of the ways movies are made. So the first one I'm going to talk about is that very uh, tread-worn film, The Ten Commandments, that uh-huh. has been airing every single year at Easter time on some major broadcast network. When I first started working in broadcasting, Jeff, I was 15 years old. I'd never seen the Ten Commandments, but I was working the late shift on the weekend. And I, I, I was probably about 16 by this point. And so we'd run the late movie. And I remember one night I had to run the Ten Commandments. I wasn't very happy because that meant I had to work like the movie started after the late news. So that means 1130 we'd start the movie and the Ten Commandments is like three hours long. That means, oh, I'm not going to get out of here until like 230. And it came in on seven reels of film. But Rod got a little mixed up and i think real 5 became real 3 and the red sea was party <laughs> before <laughs> moses had even packed up his suitcase and <laughs> it was a bit of a mess and i remember that being one of my worst broadcast moments but anyhow that being said the ten commandments really is a truly amazing movie this was the most expensive movie made at the time it is still regarded is one of the biggest movies. And when I say biggest, the amount of extras, the size of the sets. Oh, it's a spectacle. Yeah, the yeah. whole scope of it. And spectacle is the word. And I kind of yearned for these movies, even though The Ten Commandments also won an Oscar for its groundbreaking special effects. It was still a movie where very, very much of the film was what we call in the industry practical, it means it happened through a lens. And today, you know, they wouldn't get that many people. They do it digitally. And and there's so many other ways that they can save money and they don't have to travel to exotic locations. They can just kind of recreate things. The Ten Commandments really was very real in the way it was made. And uh, just an incredible, incredible film and really made the equivalent to today's dollar's Over $1.1 billion that movie has made. And, uh, yeah, quite the film.
0: And I know I was not around when it came out, but I remember, you know, upon a re-release of the film, I remember going to see it in a big auditorium. And Mm -hmm. to see a movie with an intermission was kind of a big deal. Like, whoa, it's so long that we have to take a bathroom break and go and get more concessions yeah yeah, that's a great idea <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> it is a great idea and the and the movie nerd in me too it was filmed in that cin- cinema scope in like I think a, a 2.85 aspect ratio which in English means very wide frame you know and, and just it
0: really is a, yeah. it's a spectacle well Rod you've kind of inspired me in my choice here of my next choice just to because i i thought let's let's go with the the oldest film on my list you know in honor of the 10 commandments and this is another movie that i was obviously not around when it came out but i would have loved to have first seen this movie in the movie theaters i would have loved to have seen any alfred hitchcock movie mm. in the theaters when it first came out this one you can tell that man this movie was probably based on a play, although I don't think it was. I think it Because be. it all takes place in one location. Ooh, yes. And it is Rear Window yes. with Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. I debated about putting this one on my list, <laughs> Jeff. It was so close. And, you know, I wouldn't even say this is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie. I think that it's would have mine. to go to Psycho. Mm, okay. Um, but this is one that is so fun to revisit frequently because – it's such a fun movie to watch with a group of people. Yeah. Because the the whole movie is, you know, is kind of doused in it's there's some levity involved because yes. there's a lot of joking about yeah. all these things that neighbors do and he's kind of, you know, spying on all these neighbors and they do silly things and some of them do sad things and one neighbor in particular does something kind of suspicious and even with all of this suspicion talk of murder they're able to keep this light tone until kind of that third act right but this is a film that is truly a work of art Definitely. in the camera work yep. in the acting in the storyboarding mm-hmm. it is just genius and, you know, we, we've talked about the movie Up on the show quite a bit, right? In those those first five minutes, you get to know those characters without any dialogue. And you fall in love with them. And your heart is broken in those first few minutes. The same thing could be said. This is not really one story. This is like a half a dozen stories that you get about all these different neighbors that you care about or that you are concerned about. Um Without any dialogue, Mm -hmm. they're able to tell these half a dozen different stories within this under this umbrella of this murder mystery. Right. And oh, my gosh, this movie could be dissected and a whole course could be taught. Just on yeah, this movie alone, absolutely. And pardon the
1: obvious pun. Speaking of stories, <laughs> the three-story apartment blocks that you are seeing, Hitchcock had those built in a monster soundstage, and so all of that is what we would call interior shooting. And just Im- amazingly, then the other thing about Rear Window that was really groundbreaking at the time is the sound and the way he has. Um, recorded the sound from the neighbors and it, to just give it this very spacious ambiance, if you will. It, it can almost hear what they're saying, maybe a little bit hear what they're saying. Yes, yes. and, and the saying. music with the dancer and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Like he just he, – he didn't miss – and any opportunities, and especially looking at the technology of the time and everything that he was working with, just phenomenal. And, of course, the lovely Grace Kelly as well. All right. Well, I am going to skip a little bit newer this time, <laughs> and I suspect if there's a movie that's on both of our lists, although Rear Window, we almost intersected on that, my next one is Groundhog Day.
0: That's on my short list. That's on your short list. You'll, you'll appreciate what my, nest, my next pick is then, okay,
1: Rob? <laughs> well, Groundhog Day really – A phenomenal movie. I remember this came out in my early days of screening movies and starting to write about movies professionally. And I remember loving it the first time I saw it. But like the rest of the world, as you watch it over and over and over, you see more and more in this movie. And it's interesting. This movie has become a movie that's important to Buddhists, important to Christians, important to Jewish people. It has a it has a remarkable message underneath the comedy and everything else that's going on in that film. And uh, it just it really is quite, really to me, is one of those great movies that just continues to grow on you and, as I mentioned earlier, on the rest of the world. You know, it's funny, when it first came out again, and and this is one of those stories where, uh, so many of these movies on these lists weren't really all that well respected when they first came out. I mean, some of them got, you know, middling reviews and that type of thing. But it really goes to show you that, first of all, movie critics know nothing. And it really is up to the general public to determine when a movie is going to become a classic and when it's going to become a cult favorite, like The Princess Bride, for instance. And uh, I I love watching that and One of the cool things about getting older—there's not many cool things about getting older, Jeff—but you get to see this happen— and I, I wonder now when I watch movies I wonder where the next Groundhog Day is when is it going to be the next yeah. one so so yeah and you know I was reading a little bit about how much uh, how much uh, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray weren't getting along during this movie mm-hmm. and the and the uh, the conflict between the two of them and that's the other thing I think is is interesting even though it's too bad their friendship I guess was on the rocks until just before Harold passed away and then they kind of made up at the last. Last moment, But I I think that, again, conflict kind of breeds great art, and Groundhog Day is an example
0: of that. Oh, you are going to love my next pick then on that last note. But I want to say a couple things about Groundhog Day because this is one I saw in the movie theaters when I was probably about 10 years old. Yep. And my oldest daughter is almost that old, and this is another one of those films where it's like – Oh, do we show it to them? Do we not show it to them? <laughs> yes. And if my daughter did not have some some struggles with anxiety, I would – I probably would show it to her. But those scenes that, that deal with, you know, all the different ways that he commits suicide, mm-hmm. yeah. I think those alone yeah. are enough for me to I. – it is funny though because I feel like, gosh, I saw these movies at a young age and there are other things like that that – you know, you seem to get older and older by the time you're able to do something, right? You're in a car seat until you're like 15 years old now. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, gosh, with each new generation, are these kids going to be seeing these these revered movies later and later and later in life? Um, but this is one that I, I saw at a relatively early age, even though it is PG. There are some heavier elements to this there movie. Are. And thank you for
1: bringing up the the warning about the suicide scenes because that is a serious— It's not a
0: funny funny part of the movie either because it gets darker and more depressing. And and, for the
1: handful of people who haven't seen it, be aware of that content.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Bill Murray not getting along with his co-stars and how maybe that played a part in just how successful the movie was, I want to talk about another movie that— We revisit and talk about frequently, and it is What About Bob? (laughs) Groundhog Day and What About Bob are two movies that you either love them or you hate them, right? And What About Bob can be really aggravating for some people because they think it's annoying. Some people might uh, – they might identify more with the Bill Murray character or they might identify more with the Richard Dreyfuss character. My wife – she does not apologize that she identifies more with the Richard Dreyfuss character and that this character of Bob Wiley would drive her nuts and would probably lead her to go crazy as well. But it's so it's such a funny premise. This, you know, revered, uh, really famous is becoming more famous therapist who has this new book out and he gets this new patient just before he's going to go on vacation And kind of shoes him out the door because, you know, he's he's already his mind is already in at Lake Winnipesaukee where his family is going to vacation. Right. And uh, Bob is such a wreck that through some sneaky methods is able to track down Dr. Leo Marvin's Lake Winnipesaukee home Hmm. and begins to annoy the heck out of Richard Dreyfuss's character while his family embraces him to dr leo marv uh, doc, dr leo marvin 's bewilderment, right everybody seems to love Bob Wiley except him, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the doctor is just as crazy as his patient right, and this is a movie where these two actors did not get along. Richard Dreyfus has started doing interviews where he said that Bill Murray would throw objects in my head and would pull me aside and and say things like, "Nobody likes you. You're tolerated," you know. And I don't know if that was just Bill Murray trying to egg him on to get him in the right, you know, character mode for this movie to make that dynamic work a little better. But I, I can't believe that because this is not the first story I've heard about people no. having an issue with yes. Bill Murray. <laughs> um, but. I think it lends itself to some great comedy. It's directed by Frank Oz, Yoda, Miss Piggy, what have you. Um, but this is a movie that for us will stand the test of time. If you want to understand just how good Richard Dreyfuss is at getting to the point where he's at the end of his rope, there's a great scene. It's not when, you know, he's come to the point where he's going to kill <laughs> Bob Wiley. It's when he is so angry that when he tries to verbalize what he wants it 's unintelligible, so there 's a scene where Bob is annoying him, and he wants him to get out of the car. He steps out, goes around, opens the do- open bob 's doors, and he says Head out of the car! You know what he 's saying because of the cadence in which he says it, but he 's trying to say, "Get out of the car he 's so angry that it doesn 't make any sense, right." <laughs> I love this movie. It is a comedy classic that will, for me, stand the test of time.
1: And it is one of those kind of oddly rare movies that was directed by Frank Oz, which, and Jeff, I've never seen What About Bob, and I'm glad you have reminded me because
0: I it's one of those really? Frank Oz
1: movies oh my that goodness! I want to check out.
0: You're yep. missing out. Yep. But I'm telling yep. you, you'll probably understand after watching it how it's kind of in the same camp as Groundhog Day. You either love it or it, it aggravates you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, Jeff. So for my next one, I'm going back in time again. This one's a little dusty. In fact, this one's really dusty. This is a serious movie. But this is a movie that I think is so relevant with what's going on today, and it's The Grapes of Wrath. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've seen The Grapes of Wrath. but I think I've eaten a few. When? (laughs) When? That's another story. When I watch The Grapes of Wrath, I feel like I need to shower because I just feel like I'm covered in dust. And this film is just to me really has just an incredible story to tell and an incredible feel with that story as well. And, of course, this is starring uh, Henry Fonda and Jane Darwell. And it's the story of a family during the Depression, the Great Depression in the 1930s. They've lost everything in Oklahoma. He um, he has just—Tom Joe is the character name that, that Henry Fonda plays. He's just gotten out of prison. He walks back to the family farm. It's abandoned. It's desolate. He's found out his family's headed—I um, think they're staying at an uncle's house. They meet up, and they all head to California because that's the end of the rainbow, Right. Isn't it still the end of the rainbow in a way? And they go out there to try and get jobs as migrant workers, harvesting in the crops in California. Well, of course, once they get there, they find out it's even worse than they could have imagined. Mm. So this movie, based on it, is based on a novel, but really is based on a reality of the situation at the time. And uh, and really, uh, to me, of course, is a black and white film. But this film is a black and white film. Do you ever – there are black and white movies, and I I know there's still a little bit of a thing, and I'll talk about another movie in a couple of minutes that has been colorized quite well, but – There's a thing where, you know, some people don't want to watch black and white movies. And I think some of those movies, like The Grapes of Wrath, Citizen Kane, I can't imagine them not being black and white. They look better black and white. The Grapes of Wrath shouldn't be in color. So if you want to introduce your family, Um, especially your teenagers, to a moment of history that in some ways is repeating itself with the migrant populations that we see right now who are leaving countries because they see the United States in general as being the end of the rainbow and they're sacrificing their lives and their children to get here. That's what was happening within our country during the 1930s. So
0: They're going to be required to read the book at some point in high uh-huh. school anyway, right? They probably right? will. So might they as well show the probably will, yes. So I'm going to go in a completely different direction from The Grapes of Wrath, and I won't spend too much time talking about this movie because I've talked about it before on screen cleaning. But this is a movie that we have started showing every Halloween, and I think for three years in a row now we've had a party and have watched this movie, and we've we've served food that is featured in the movie. It becomes this whole theme. <laughs> and it's a movie that I don't remember seeing as a young kid, but uh, discovered later on in life, and it did not do well at the movie theaters. It was produced by Steven Spielberg and starring Tom Hanks, <laughs> and it is called The Burbs. This is a film... That for me, for some strange reason, it doesn't get old. Every year we watch it, it's just as funny as the previous year that we watched it. And it's a fun party movie. It's one of those movies that you're going to enjoy more in a group of people because it's just such a ridiculous premise. You know, to, it's speaking of this would be a great movie to watch uh, on a double feature with rear window. Because, again, you have these characters that are snooping on their neighbors, right? And you think that these neighbors are, you know, these demons, devil worshipers, these really odd people. And uh, the way that it all pans out is just fantastic. And it's really kind of the point where the people doing the snooping are crazier than the people that they're snooping on, right? And so it's definitely one to check out. The Burbs, The Apostrophe, Burbs, directed by Joe Dante, produced by Steven Spielberg. It is a cult classic, one that we will continue to revisit and will stand the test of time for our family.
1: I think it's safe to say I'm glad I don't live across the street from you, Jeff, because I'm seeing
0: a bit of a pattern here. (laughs) I do not spy on my neighbors. <laughs> all right,
1: all right. Well, let's see. I'm going to I'm going to stay with the black and white theme for my next one. It's a Wonderful Life, but we did talk about colorization. It's a Wonderful Life has been colorized three times. I'm not even going to talk much about the movie, except because I think so many people are familiar with it. But there is a colorized version out that happened in the late 2000s, and it's out on Blu-ray. It's the most amazing job of colorizing a movie I've ever seen. And I am not a big fan of taking a black and white classic and, and coloring it, but it is quite amazing to watch. And it's a wonderful life. Again, directed by Frank Capra and starring uh, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore playing Mr. Potter. If there is a movie that we quote in our family a lot, this one's right up there in the top three for us most quotable movies. And uh, just really has—it's just a movie that really has a place in my heart, but it also really has changed— The way that I think that we look at movies, that we look at this was never intended to be a holiday movie, and it is, again, it's a very serious story and at times quite a dark story. And we even see Jimmy Stewart in this movie a couple of times playing a very similar character as to what he plays in Hitchcock movies. Both Frank Capra and Alfred Hitchcock loved working with Jimmy Stewart. The man was an incredible, incredible talent. So it's a wonderful life. Great for so many reasons. It's kind of like Groundhog Day.
0: It is, and you
1: watch it over and over, and you get more and more out of it. So, yeah.
0: Well, we've got one more pick each that we're going to share when we return after a quick break, and uh, also we're going to get Avery's picks. Avery is our assistant producer, and uh, he does some great work on the show. So that's all up com- That's all coming up next here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning, the show where we shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. And today on the show, we've been talking about movies that, for us at least, will stand the test of time. We've talked about some real classics and maybe some other movies that may surprise you and may have you running for the hills, pulling your hair out in aggravation. I know a lot of people either love or hate the movie What About Bob?, but now that we're back, we've got one more pick that we want to share with you each. But before we get to that, we want to invite Avery, our wonderful assistant producer, to share with us three of his picks of movies that will stand the test of time for him. So, Avery, what have you got for us?
2: Well, Jeff, I have a couple here. Um, well, I have three. And that's not a couple. But I have three <laughs> movies here that I think are absolute classics for me, and I'm definitely going to show my kids whether they like him or not uh <laughs> remains to be seen um the first one I'll talk about I think it's a it's a certified classic for a lot of people although I'm recently learning that some people really hate this movie um is two thousand and one a oh, space Oh, audition. wow. Yeah. that was on my short list. Yeah. I make my
1: I put my wife through it about every couple of years. <laughs> mm-hmm. But my kids have grown to like it. She takes you know. a bathroom know. break during yeah. that la- those last uh, twenty oh, it's minutes the, yes, or whatever. The, the first <laughs> the the psychedelic sequence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, for her it's the it's the it's the apes oh, that yeah. do her in. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: But I think I first saw this movie in probably sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, little little Avery just obsessed with sci-fi movies, sci-fi yeah. books, and I was blown away by this. Yeah. Um, it's no longer my Stanley Kubrick favorite Stanley Kubrick movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, apologies to Stanley Kubrick, I watched this a lot on my iPod Nano screen. You know, how my, oh, <laughs> dare you? Sir. My oh. one inch by half oh. inch iPod Nano screen. I was obsessed with this movie and I rewatch I it probably once a year. Avery have it's you ever amazing. seen it on a on a large screen? No, but I okay. I, I would <laughs> we'll I'd a give big. a kidney to to see it on a big screen. Well gosh. Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's my first pick. Doesn't want a space Odyssey. <laughs> my second pick um is a real left field pick, but I I love this movie and in, in researching it, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an eight percent critics rating. What? On Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and that is Envy. Directed by Barry Levinson from oh, 2004, right. starring starring Ben Stiller and Jack Black. I
0: have actually
2: seen this. Yes, very interesting premise. <laughs> yeah, just uh, Ben Stiller, Jack Black. They play these two, you know, kind of middle middle white middle manager white collar dudes at like a three like a Post-it note factory, and one gets insanely rich um, selling a product that vaporizes dog poop. And his, <laughs> his neighbor gets envious of his success. And Which I, would do amazingly would, well if yes. there was such a product, if right? There was, if that product d- existed, um, <laughs> the world would be a different place. But, yeah, I mean, so a critically hated movie, but one that I love. This is I, – I have real soft spots for Ben Stiller and Jack Black, and I think they're both their, their finest here. And I don't think I've ever seen both of them in a movie. Actually, no, Tropic Thunder. They're in Tropic Thunder together. But this movie – Plays to both of their strengths, and it is all the better for it. Okay, uh, don't let the Rotten Tomatoes score scare you out of watching it. <laughs> uh, and then my last one. This is another one that I watched. You know, again, I was raised by with very, um, I don't know. My parents love movies. You know, we I was raised. You know, in we had multiple Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock's Alfred Hitchcock box sets on DVD. I was watching those from young age, and one of the first ones that I saw is his nineteen fifty one picture, Strangers on a Train. Mm. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 And it's again no longer my favorite Hitchcock movie, but one of the first ones I saw and definitely one of the most form my one of my most formative movie seeing experiences. Um just the story it's and it stars Farley Granger who was in one of my other favorite Hitchcock movies, Rope. Um mm-hmm. but this the story of like, you know, kind of a young tennis pro who slowly finds his life being taken over by this kind of psychotic, literal psychotic person um, who just wants – and he wants nothing – who he wants nothing to do with, Uh, it really was really impressionable for me. And it's still – as a great – as a story of paranoia and suspicion still rings true today.
0: And I I think that's a a premise that has stood the test of time because it's been done again in uh, Danny DeVito's uh, Throw Mama from the Train as well as two – Movies called Horrible Bosses, one and two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's a premise that has stood the test of time. Well, thanks, Avery. Mm -hmm. I don't envy your choice of envy, but I (laughs) respect it, okay? (laughs) Thank Um, you. (laughs) My last pick is one that we just talked about on the show a week or two ago, and it is one that, to me, is kind of like the perfect chase movie, the perfect uh, police procedural movie the perfect movie that my family will watch for years and years to come. It's a movie that if it's on TV, we'll watch it, even if we own it on DVD, right? And that is a movie that was nominated for Best Picture based on a TV show. Man, you're, you're good at these slow
1: reveals. The now Fugitive. I, the Fugitive, all yes. right.
0: <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, in my f- his best performance of his career, in my opinion— and Harrison Ford in one of his better performances mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, yeah, we will always watch The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Very yeah. solid film. Yes. One of my first Laserdisc purchases. <laughs> yeah. That would be great to see that on Laserdisc.
1: Uh, yes. Okay. Well, you mean I get the last word? Oh, this is big. The Sound of Music. Oh, Rod! That is I know. speaking oh, of Rod. sentimental. Well, you know what? Here, I'm, not I'm criticizing so glad you that. Is this up. that's a solid
0: movie well, too? Let
1: me read you the reviews of the days. The New York Times criticized the film's romantic nonsense and sentiment, the children's <laughs> quote unquote artificial roles, and Robert Wise's quote cozy come corny direction. The New York Herald Tribune dismissed the movie as icky, sticky, and designed for the five to seven set and their mummies. And in McCall's magazine, Pauline kale, a very well-respected film critic, called the film, quote, the sugar-coated lie people seem to want to eat and that audience have, quote, turned into emotional and aesthetic imbeciles <laughs> when we hear ourselves humming the sickly, goody, goody song."
0: This was nominated for Best Picture, right? <laughs> yes. And it did win some awards,
1: didn't it? And it made a... Boatload of money, $286 million back in the 1960s. I, the multiples, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's pushing $2 billion. I remember as a kid, I was really, really young when this movie came out. Um, and But as a little child, I remember... Going to the theater with my parents to a couple of other movies, and I felt like the sound of music was just permanently in movie theaters. I thought that was just the way it was, that every movie theater always showed the sound of music and it would be there for the rest of my life. Because I think it was in theaters for like two years or something. And they they charged premium ticket prices back then too to go see a movie like
0: this. So like fifty cents or
1: yeah, (laughs) I think it might have been a dollar twenty
0: five. Whoa! So yeah,
1: so the sound of music, but gosh, you know that movie has endured. The test of time.
0: And it's one that they continue to release in movie theaters. They'll you can sing along with it. They'll pop mm-hmm. up the words on the screen yeah. so you can come and sing along. Yeah. As if you needed the words on the screen, and right?
1: Robert Wise, who really this movie when you look at the other things, he was making like nineteen fifties sci-fi's and whatnot. This one was way out of his wheelhouse. Oh yeah. But it really is a beautifully shot movie. It looks gorgeous.
0: I can't argue with, with you on that one, Rod. That's a good solid choice. We have really enjoyed sharing with you movies that, for us personally, will stand the test of time. And I could have mentioned a number of other movies like Lemony Snicket's, A Series of Unfortunate Events, and Groundhog Day was certainly on my list, The Wizard of Oz, Mary Poppins Returns, Jurassic Park, a movie that I've talked about a lot on the show, Defending Your Life, which I won't go into great detail here. But these are all movies that, for us, we're going to keep watching them. We're going to introduce them to the next generation, and hopefully that next generation will pass it on to the next generation. But uh this is why we love going to the movies. Movies that give us all the feels that we want to have going to the movies. And Rod, I don't know if you have any honorable mentions, but I I just love going to the movies and either feeling happy or sad or frustrated or thoughtful or contemplative yeah. or scared. The, this is why I go to the movies to get that roller coaster thrill and to really have to leave the movie wanting to have a conversation or to gush about something or to, you know, rekindle or reignite a love you have for somebody or to reach out to somebody and say, you know what It's been a long time since I've seen or heard from that person. That's why I love going to the movies. Me too. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We want to give a big shout-out and a big thank you to Avery Otzbach, our assistant producer, for doing a lot of the research for today's show. And we will be back next week to give you the very best in entertainment here on Screen Cleaning on BYU Radio you can also look up our podcast. Just just Google "screen cleaning podcast," and there you will find over a hundred episodes for your listening pleasure. Where you can get the very best in entertainment news, the very best entertaining movies, the very best movies to really make you feel good about yourself and good about life. Which, during these troubling times, couldn't we all use that a little more, Rod? Absolutely. And Rod, thank you for being on the show here today. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time.